Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hey, happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. We have two really cool car debates coming up and many, many great questions. I was scrolling through questions for a long time earlier. It was really cool. I've got some kind of lengthy questions I'm going to get back to later, but we have other news discussion. It's, it's another podcast. It's a Friday. <laughs> it's another Thanks for podcast. Being here. That's for sure. Well, I'm glad that you've got your paper father discussion actually today. Yes. That is for anybody who wants to join. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's cool because it's a, a full, you know, spoiler and talk about everything in the book. And, and yeah, I yeah. like that you're doing that with people who have read it, with people who haven't. I like that you're just kind of hosting I, that to kind of yeah. people to hear more of your insight. I, I, Thank I you, appreciate man. that. I, that I hope that. it's, I, I cool. hope it's going to be fun. I mean, that's I'm going into it. It will be this evening. I hope, hoping it's going to be fun. I've had a few people that have actually written to me and said, I'm not going to join because I haven't finished. And right. honestly, Fair enough. you're making the right choice because <laughs> I, it's going to be spoiler filled. And, and we've actually heard even just as recently as this week, people that were asking questions because they haven't finished the book yet. They're like, well, what about this? And we're like, well, read it. And then you'll find out about what happens with the thing and the stuff and the people. So anyway, <laughs> right, so right. if you haven't read it yet, the book is called Paper Father. If you go to the store tab on our website, you can find it right there on the Amazon side. It is available ebook and paperback. And thank you all that have not only just read it, but have given me reviews that have kind of shocked me. So thank you for all of you that have That's read fantastic. it and enjoyed well it. Deserved, and it's very man. cool. I, well I, deserved. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. I hope many of you keep reading it. I want to keep hearing your thoughts. And I'm excited to talk to some of you uh, tonight, actually. Fantastic. Well, we've got our next episode from season eight coming this Saturday, January 23, 2021. We're entitling it Dream Drive. Mm-hmm. And big, big thanks to our sponsor, Haggerty, who has provided both vehicles through Haggerty Drive Share mm-hmm. as well as Monterey Touring Vehicles. The, the headspace for this episode was cars that are real. They're, the genuine iteration of that car mm-hmm. is so expensive at this point, you might not ever see one, let alone drive one. Yeah, to be and, able to and, get into one, yeah. you've got to drive a replica version. Mm-hmm. And now let's talk about the amount of fun, the, the measure of fun mm-hmm. between the two kinds of cars. Totally. They're very different. It is a vintage Speedster Porsche 356 replica mm-hmm. provided by Monterey Touring Vehicles through Haggerty Drive Share and also Haggerty's own Type 65 Factory 5 Daytona Cobra replica. Coupe. Which is, honestly, it was much different slash better to drive than I expected. I went in kind of going, we'll see. I agree. I and thought it was going to be a, just a monster yes. and hard to control. Yes. It wasn't. There was some delicacy about it. And I will also say this. It is overwhelmingly loud. It is. And so we're talking at a car that if here's, – here's the thing about this episode for when you watch it, and I'm excited for it to come to Amazon Prime later as well. It'll be everywhere like all our stuff is. But here's the thing that's funny about that car. Honestly, it's loud enough that you couldn't carry on a conversation with your passenger while rolling. So now think about us showing up with cameras and microphones and going, we need to talk about this car and record it (laughs) when I am fully aware that if anyone were sitting in the passenger seat, they couldn't hear me. Part of that is the experience. Absolutely. It's part of the experience. You're going to feel that. You absolutely do. And I hope it comes across. So let us know what you think. Hopefully you get to see that very soon. If not, as Todd said, on Amazon Prime and other streaming outlets. 
In the meantime, we have just recently dropped, as of this podcast recording, the 2021 Acura TLX mm-hmm. Super Duper Handling All-Wheel Drive. It's actually just Super Handling. <laughs> it just needs, I, I want that. Over. I want the SDH Super Duper Handling they All-Wheel Drive. They call me and ask. That would be really fun. Less of the Duper. But anyway, that is the A-Spec version. It is not the Type S. Mm-hmm. That review is now on our Test Drive channel. You can find that by yep. going to everydaydriver.com. Yep. YouTube is the second tab over. And then once you click there you'll find both YouTube channels available. So that hopefully helps you with your driving homework. If you're interested in sedans and you've been hearing good things about the TLX as we did, Mm -hmm. check that out. And then a piece of information, piece of news here about Jerry Wiegert. Probably Mm -hmm. not familiar with that name, but I guarantee you, you're familiar with the 90s supercars that he created. That is the Vector. Mm -hmm. He passed away just recently. Oh, man. He was 76 and just... Kind of a, a bummer, honestly. I mean, obviously, when anybody special passes away, but he was the creator of the supercar. He was a fellow Art Center gradu- graduate. Oh, really? Was he? I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, oh, he right. went to college for creative studies for a little bit and then graduated okay. from Art Center and was notorious for a lot of things. Getting offended is one of them. But <laughs> at one point, he was locking himself in the factory because it was a battle between him and the investors, essentially. Mm, mm. But... I still recall the urban legend. I still don't think it's true, but it is one of the coolest stories ever. Okay. About drug running in Florida in the 90s. And these oh. people used a vector, a blacked out vector, and wore night vision goggles <laughs> for drug running. What could possibly on go wrong? Florida's open highways. Okay. And the way they caught him was to set up stadium lights over the top of the freeway because they knew at approximately when this black vector mm, going mm. well over 100 miles an hour with no lights drug running sure and they caught him by using stadium lights just <laughs> above the height of the car and turned him on blinding the driver my eyes yeah i think it's a cool story it's, I, it's a I good story i cannot corroborate that i think it's honestly fake, even, if, but even if it's just a michael bay commercial for the vector it's still cool good would that be so that would be you know, exactly what it is yeah. exactly what i associate when i hear vector i just think drug running in florida at night wearing night vision goggles how you, cool is that you know what's funny about jerry is that when when we lived in Los Angeles for a while, we were going to lots of car events there. And he had, because of his street cred of making the Vector, he had kind of like a standing free pass to any event where any car yeah. event where you needed a pass. That's true. He would just show up and he would be at all of them. Yeah, he just the kind number of, of times I yeah. stood at, well, looking at a car and he walked right by was like every show I ever went to totally. of any kind. He it was always there. It was crazy. When your car needs new brakes, and it will, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance for something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation, from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes. That includes the pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need new brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. Todd and I even found great kits for our SUVs and cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. As Todd said, we've got a couple of great debates here. First of all, from Gabe S. up in Bangor, Maine, who writes to us as a filmmaker with a vehicle identity crisis. Okay. Gabe, welcome to the debate. Thanks for your email. Really appreciate you writing to us. 
He says after what's become a bit of vehicle identity crisis, he grew up with a dad who was a car guy, but because of life, mm. like kids and marriage and all that stuff, his life was mostly minivans and later in life, Ford F-150. Gabe remembers, though, any time his dad got his hands on a rental car that had an iota of sporty character, like <laughs> mid-90s neons and Ford probes. Okay, all right, yeah. Gabe was sick in the back seat as they thrashed about in corners in a car that really shouldn't have been doing that sort of thing. <laughs> but but dad was a car guy. And now right. he had a car that could do something. Yeah, okay. Unfortunately, Gabe's dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer and mm. passed away not too long ago. Gabe, we're very sorry for your loss. But I love what he has instilled in you with the cars that he has owned he said he built from the Ford factory an 06 Ford Mustang GT with a five-speed, and you two had a blast in that car. That's cool. That is fantastic. And prior to you, his dad had an Austin Healey 3000 and a Triumph TR4A. Very cool. Love it. Love it. Well, yeah, like I said, sorry for your loss. The cars have passed on, but your love has not. And I, I love that you're really embracing that now. Mm-hmm. Got mm-hmm. some interesting suggestions here for you. Wow, your car history is quite varied. It is, yes. I love that you've sent that to us. In addition to your details, Gabe is 30. He's up in Bangor, Maine as a filmmaker. His budget is $30,000, and he says, Paul, this means not to exceed thirty-two grand." <laughs> he still gave I you agree. He still gave you a two grand buffer, though, which I think is surprisingly generous. That's really I good. Yeah, might use it <laughs> if you give a mouse a cookie. He's going to want a glass well, of milk. He, he's got a list on here of hard nose cars we cannot recommend. And I have a side rant that relates to one of them. You say you don't want any CVT and you specifically want no Subaru product. Now, remember, you're in Maine. The only place outside of the Rockies that is a lot of Subarus is Maine. You've said That's no Subaru point. product. I have to just side rant for a quick moment. This morning, I drove my son from my house to his school. Okay. This might be three miles. Yeah, it's not very far. Yeah. 16 Subaru Outbacks. You guys are still counting? Oh, yeah. It's a daily we're game, just, isn't it? And here's the thing. We're just counting on the run to school. I don't count on the way home. That's 16 from left the house to left the school well, run parking lot. Well, you'd never lot. stop counting, especially if you got in the line to pick your son up. Oh, the six, entire line 16, of cars. 16. That's a lot. I, I, I just, I, look, we recently posted you don't know what to do with that. a piece on our test drive channel of us driving the current Subaru Outback Onyx Edition. And we do talk at length about all the reasons, the positive reasons why this thing sells. It does. But when you see that many, a part of me just goes, can we move on? Can we have some (laughs) excitement? Can Can we just have a new inspiration for a new car? And that leads me right back here where Gabe says, no Subaru products, no CVTs, anything underpowered or soul-sucking or dime a dozen or, you know, 16 and three miles. Right. Those are not allowed. Right. Well, the current vehicles here are two, actually. He's got a 2015 Ford Fiesta ST, and he had – well, he, he only – he's down to the Fiesta ST. He had a, an F-150 as well because he was running his own video production company at the time, did need a full-size pickup for gear – and living in Maine, four-wheel drive was certainly helpful. But sure, now yeah. he's in video production at a college, and he says he doesn't need much space, but he still needs things that he can load in for mm-hmm. a shoot. Mm-hmm. So he's between cars, drove the Fiesta, loved it, and he says, I got it. And he loves it. He says it's a hoot and a smile when driving it. He's autocrossed it. The only mod he's ever done is a short-throw shifter. But he's got a couple big problems with the car. This means he's selling it. Everyone, if you would like to buy Gabe's <laughs> exactly. Ford Fiesta ST, exactly. please write. Problem equals selling. <laughs> it doesn't have all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. He says we get snow and ice. He's got winter tires on it. But the ground clearance is really tough in the deep snow. And he says also it's a hindrance to have something that can't tackle any rough terrain. And he frequently needs a tall sidewall 
and some decent mm. ground clearance to go down a rough dirt road or tackle any deep snow. Okay. The biggest issue for Gabe is comfort and noise. He said he was excited to jump back into a sporty hatchback, but he found the Recaro seats are far too bolsters and accentuate his sciatica. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not. You know what? That's I've, a bummer. I'm I've driven the Fiesta ST multiple times, and I actually think that the Recaros are too restrictive for lots of people. I, I could go either way with the Recaros in, in that awesome. car, but, but I. But we've driven a couple of them without the Recaros, and you know what? They were great without the Recaros. I, I, you're not the first to say this, Gabe, about those seats. That's too bad, though. He ditched his factory 17-inch rims for Sparco 16s. Don't have as an aggressive as, as a profile. Sure, yeah, yeah. So he's trying to help his back. He's got two bulging discs, which definitely understand when you need to, to take care of your back. He says this. he thought this was the type of car he wanted, but he wants more comfort. Mm. He had CarPlay in the truck. He really liked it, and he missed it. He wants heated seats and maybe a heated steering wheel. But this has all become accentuated by the fact that his commute just went from four miles a day to 85 miles a day, That's five a, days a week. Quite a big change, yes. Which means leasing is out, so he needs something that will chew up miles on the freeway in total comfort with some decent technology. But is there anything that also is kind of has the hoon factor, mm-hmm. kind of fun to hoon on side roads, mm-hmm. something? Now, he misses the truck. He loves the feeling, the ride, and the usability. I'm sure your back doesn't miss the truck. Uh, who knows, yeah. And he says, I hate jamming C-stands and a whole bunch of stuff in the back of the Fiesta and doing the dance with folding down seats, all that kind of stuff. He grew up on the rugged coast of Maine, and there is something deep in his identity that he's a truck guy, and he should have a truck. <laughs> okay. And to fit in around there, apparently you just have to have a truck. Yes. Also he's, Texas. He's driving around, not in a Subaru, which means he needs a truck. That's pretty much the right. list right now, yeah. Right now, he's thinking about a two-car situation. First of all, a reliable mid-sized pickup like a Colorado or a Ranger for mm-hmm. about 25000 and spend five to 7000 on a cheap sports car. This is where he's leaning. But he says it would be a stretch to have the space and capacity for two vehicles at this point in his life. He does work a lot, and he says, I technically only have one parking space at his apartment mm-hmm. and no place to do any real wrenching at all. Which, honestly, I feel like... Gabe, you're leaning toward the two-car option, and then you quickly give all the reasons why it isn't going to work. Yeah. That, that's how I read that. But it does sound ideal, but then, yeah, if, yeah. if your circumstances can't accommodate it. He's thought about a used Kia Stinger GT, mm-hmm. and he's not tied to a manual, and he says that car seems great, but he's never driven one, and he doesn't know about the usability of the hatch. It's decent. I mean, here's the thing. If you're not buying a pickup in any of these conversations, even by an SUV, you're going to be dropping those back seats. For big stuff like C-stands, you're going to be dropping back seats. I mean, you even bring up, you're curious, you're, you know you can hear us both saying, yes, I am, the Porsche Cayenne. But uh, he's just concerned about the look of that. He, a lot of the places he shoots pulling up in a Porsche product is the wrong vibe. So that can't yeah, happen, even though that. he sees it. But but I do want to remind you the fact that, honestly, outside of a pickup, you're going to be dropping seats, man. But I think mm-hmm. there are solves on this. You're asking for suggestions. Autocrossing and that kind of stuff is not really the purpose. The big thing that I hear here is all weather, 85 miles a day, mm-hmm. some usable hatch space, and when the road is fun, oh, look, the car still is, too. Yeah, and he's got the ground clearance need and this deep snow need and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, and then yeah. perception. This is kind of a tall order. For sure, yeah. I do think I have a few things for you, Gabe. He says, German car reverse, lots of check engine lights. It's not true. <laughs> the car might not start, but there's no check engine lights. <laughs> it didn't start currently, but you'll notice the dash has no lights yeah. on. That's funny. I Talking like it. about. 
Well, first of all, my question is how much lifting and bending over do you do? It sounds like with video production equipment, it's just a, a lot. Essentially. It should be, yeah. Lifting things over the threshold of a car, over the trunk threshold, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Folding seats. And I definitely get it. You're going to have to always deal with that in any hatchback. Even yeah, that stinger, yeah, yeah. you're going to need the length for C-stands, for long jibs and equipment, yeah, yeah, all sure. that kind Absolutely, of stuff, yeah. short of all the Pelican cases. So the truck is really the only solve for long pieces of equipment. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have a pickup truck bed. I do get that. You're Yeah, you can't even get a topper on your bed because you would still have to lean over and you know, lean way back degree, in. You just want to kind of lift it over the side of the truck. It's hard, hard to think about how his usage is going to be directly, but you're right. That seems like the, the quickest solve for gear like that. Absolutely. I like your point about owning an, a little bit older truck, but I again, I think for the gear, you need the bed length. Mm. At mm. first, I was thinking Honda Ridgeline, something like that. It's mm. truck. It does truck kind of things. Maybe the bed length would work for you. Maybe. I do like the lockable trunk. I like all the car features, but then it's usable as a truck. And so I was thinking Ridgeline, maybe, maybe that'll work. I, I have to claim it. That is my wild card is for it really? you, Gabe, is the Honda Ridgeline. You're kidding me. I think you could drive 85 miles a day in that and be fine. I think when there's bad weather, you'd be like, and? Yeah, and you okay, do have okay. a, a truck bed. Here's the thing. You do have a truck bed that you can use enough. Now, I don't. you're not hauling hugely long things, but C-stands are longer than your typical car trunk in most hatches. But they, I think sure. they'd be fine in the back of a Ridgeline. Diagonally, probably. Yeah, probably yeah. fine in the back of a Ridgeline. And I think... You'll find the way you can use the folding back seats. You can keep gear in the cabin as well pretty easily. I think if you go single thing and it's a truck, I have some hatchbacks for you as well, but if you go single thing and it's a truck, my wild card, it begins and ends at the Honda Ridgeline because Mm -hmm. I think you'll like that for all of its car properties most of the time. Yeah, yeah. It's not a hooning vehicle, but neither is a normal pickup. But I think you're going to like the utility that you've missed out of the Ridgeline, and it's just going to run. And I've seen a few around here where they took them, and they put different wheels and tires on them, and they start to look mean. A little bit rougher, tougher. Yeah, and they look, just yeah. – look, the, the, the first gen, I think, was a questionable styling that we all of us weren't really sure we liked yet. Fast forward 20 years and we all go, the Cybertruck looks great. <laughs> exactly. And they look about the same. Exactly. But anyway, so there's that. But the, So the first one will look like that. But then I think the first one's aged pretty well. Then the second one, I think, has always looked a little bit too soft. We talked about this in our actual review on Test Drive channel. I think it's always looked a little bit too soft. Honda has heard this. Mm-hmm. They are just about to release a new Ridgeline with a more aggressive front end. It's my wild card, but it is my only full-on truck mentioned game because I think it works. It's one of those vehicles that it's so many things to so many people and it's rare to find a a vehicle car, something like that. Again, the Achilles heel is the hoon factor. You can hoon anything, but generally speaking, it's not. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it for most truck needs, you think you need a truck. And then when it comes down to it, that's not really what you need. You Mm. just need a few extra things beyond a wagon or a hatch. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And truck is too far. It's like getting into an SUV, Mm -hmm. and it's got a tailgate that opens two different ways. Those little things Mm -hmm. actually make a difference, especially for somebody like you, Gabe. So I I do like it. I I was toying with the idea, maybe a little bit more now, so definitely look at Ridgelines. I've got the hatch ideas from you, which include... A 2016 to 2018 Mercedes AMG GLA 45. <laughs> you would love that. Now, 
uh, you would love you seats. would, you would genuinely love back that is why yes. I suggest that you would like that the front seats are great there's not a ton of hatch space but I do think it still exceeds the hatch space in your Fiesta ST it does it's a step up it's the it, gentleman's it's hatch. a step up across the board I would much rather spend 85 miles a day in a, in a GLA than a Fiesta at any 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 time kind of what I was thinking so yeah, I like that's a good one. I I didn't go there. That's a really good one. It's got the lift because it it's really weird. is a hatchback, but it's kind of lifted. That's, it's, I it's like a that a lot. Lifted, yeah. but it's gentleman's, but mm-hmm. it's hot hatchy. He has the money for it. Exactly, twenty seven to thirty four, some somewhere in there. Depends on the okay. year. Depends on mileage and options. It's fully German, but I still for get sure it. less usable, less off road. Still all wheel drive, more hoon, better for the commute. Mm-hmm. You will miss your truck if you own this car, though. That's yeah. the issue with it. Yeah. I thought of the Mazda CX-5 Turbo, a lot of power. I still think you're going to have to put seats down to get the bigger gear in. For sure. yeah. But that's why I ask, what are you doing right now? Is it just the big things are kind of a one-off? Then go downsize. Well, but Is it increasing like yeah. you're hauling Good more? Question. Good question. Only you can answer that, game. I think It sounds like you're not doing as much gear hauling as you used to, and it sounds like it is a now and then. And I think if you're just dealing with this is the gear I need for the day, I think this scale of SUV is going to be great, honestly. I like that. I like the Volvo XC40. I was towing with that idea. Maybe, yeah, yeah. It's like a little bit bigger now than the GLA 45. Mm-hmm. And then I came to the 2020 Toyota RAV4 TRD Offroad. Oh, look at you. Okay. High 20s to low 30s. Way more usable, more mm-hmm. off-road. You won't miss your truck quite as much. Sure. Lots of good sure, tech, sure. more aggressive styling. But that led me to the 2019 RAV4 Hybrid. And the RAV4 generation that I'm talking about starts at 2019. Do not look at anything (laughs) older than that, including 2018s. They don't look as aggressive to my eye. They're not. They're they're weak looking to my eye. They They just look like a Me Too SUV. Mm -hmm. But then this new styling came out, and I thought, well, that looks kind of tough. And if you had the hybrid for your commute, Mm -hmm. you've got a – that's what's striking about that new RAV4. I've never recommended a RAV4. I've never paid attention to them. Look at you. Good job. And then when we started driving the new generation. They're good, man. They're good. I was impressed, especially the hybrid costs more money. If you can find a 2019 for your price range, worth a look. Yeah. Because of that range, because of, uh, it's kind of lifted off-road. Nobody's going to bat an eye when you roll up in something. They're not going to care. Knobby, tired, rab, who cares? Mm -hmm. But it does have a lot of great backseat space. And when you do fold the seats down, great amount of space. Yeah, they're very cool. They've got a good amount of space. That's a good one. I hadn't hadn't gone there. It's like the old Forerunners used to be. That kind of size, although better. <laughs> the size they are now, you're right. It's crazy to think about it. The new Forerunners, right. the one that I want you to have, the TRD Off-Road, is just probably too much for your needs. But look at that RAV4 TRD Off-Road mm. and the RAV4 Hybrid. 2019 and up, that's it. Worth your consideration. That's good. I really like it. I have a car I want you to have, Gabe, but and I think it's the car. But the problem is that it does blow your budget a little bit. So I have to admit that. I, I did it instead of Paul. But, but I, I, I'm staying with hatchbacks because here's, here's what I'm hearing from you. The Fiesta ST almost works. That's what I'm hearing. You love to drive it. It's not quite big enough. You love to drive it. It's not quite tall enough. You love to drive it, but there's not enough tech in here. <laughs> okay, I, this is what I, this is what I hear from you. <laughs> okay. You just keep. This is the bounce that I'm hearing. The, the 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 truck is missed because it solved all the things that the Fiesta ST didn't. So we need to we need to blend the two. Right. And I know you're talking about weather. I get it, but I don't think your average car struggles with your average amount of snow. 
because okay. most roads are plowed, okay. all these kind of things. True. Come on, I've driven little sports cars in the snow. Most places are taking care of their roads. So I understand you're going to have some little bit minor off-roading. It sounds like almost like fire road kind of stuff. Your average car can handle that too. You can't thunder down the road, but it, it, you can handle that too. I don't think you're going to be doing a lot of plowing in your typical hatchback. I just don't see that as your world based on what right. you're describing. So I have two hatchbacks I think you should consider because I was going for something that is very nice to sit in, has good tech, is all-wheel drive. It's just a great place to be. And by the way, I've got all my gear behind me because you can't fit enough gear in the Fiesta ST, and it's not a nice enough place to be. But when the road is nice and dry, you're like, this is fun. Hmm. Okay. Used GTI Golf R's are out there with your name on it. Thirty grand in your pocket? Get a Golf R. I think you'd really like that. However. Okay. Why, what were you thinking? You're thinking uh, what generation? Like a the, 6 or a 7? The current 7, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Go, 30 grand? Go get one for 30 grand. Yeah, I guess you can. We we just recently drove one for 30 grand. Which I guess is they the, are about that. I, I thought about this because of the car I think you really want. Because you were talking about how much you like heated, nice seats, good steering wheel, Apple CarPlay, good tech. By the way, this is all-wheel drive and it drives very well. Have you noticed That's that true. Mazda just released a Mazda 3 Turbo <laughs> yeah. in Wagon? <laughs> It's right at the top of your budget. To get into one is right at the low 30s is where they are. True. Topped out with everything. They're 35. And Ours was 35. Exactly right. The one we had was the, the press car special, which means everything, and it was 35. So I have I legitimately have blown your budget. However, the starting price is within your budget. So I'm staying with the Mazda 3. I think the new Mazda 3 all-wheel drive turbo, hmm. you would love it when you get to drive it hard. And when you are cruising in traffic in a questionable weather day, I think you would have all your gear in the back and your heated seats and steering wheel and your Apple CarPlay, and you'd be like, I love this car. It is good. Staying right there. It is good. I like those. All right, Gabe. Well, you know where to write us for your car conclusions. Please do. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and your car debates. Thanks for writing. Every winter, we find ourselves tracking snow, salt, and grime into our cars. Thankfully, Covercraft has a variety of floor mats to keep you winterproof. Covercraft floor mats and cargo mats are custom-fitted to your exact car and include the original equipment security grommets if applicable. They're the perfect and durable way to protect your car's carpet and add style and comfort to your interior. Plus, you can choose from many color and material options to complement or contrast the interior colors of your car or truck. Covercraft is sure to have what you need. They offer plush carpet, Berber carpet, or even sheepskin, which is warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Whatever mats you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. Van AT is writing to us from Calgary, Alberta. With his five-cylinder engine love. I did notice that. That's funny. All right. It's actually at least five cylinders or more. Yeah. The headline is, he doesn't like four cylinders. That's the key. Because there's not... Look, if we were just chasing five cylinders, we're going to kind of stop real quick. But but it's just about the fact that no fours is the key. He's listening to the podcast. Thank you so much, Vanny. His main vehicle is a 2016 Lexus LS460. Okay. He loves the comfort and dependability and the good old naturally aspirated V8. He barely uses it as he drives corporate vehicles for work trips, and he intends to keep this thing until rust takes over. Which will probably be decades it's from now. It's going to be a while. Yeah. He says, screw the savings. I'm looking for fun. <laughs> says, this is this is the turning point of 2020 for him. He was just yeah. like, life is short. I have a savings account. Let's buy a fun car. You're riding to the right place, man. We Manny. are happy to be here for you, man. 
He wants a used second vehicle for those long, cool summer road trips that they enjoy in the mountain time zone. That's right. Okay. Alberta's in the mountain time zone. I love it. That's great. You're just a bit north of us. Just a, just a little bit smidge. The car must be a convertible. It must be automatic. It must have excellent build quality. At least five cylinders. Okay. There we are again. It's nice to have a history of dependability. Mm-hmm. He won't shy away from the Germans of the 80s and 90s as long as planned maintenance is enough to not remain stranded. He's okay with U.S. brands as long as they're well-built. But he does say no-nos are BMWs post-2000. <laughs> He's 20 got years a, of good cars, A man. line in the sand. Yeah, totally. No BMWs after here. <laughs> he says too many horror stories around variable timing and electronics. Don't forget engine lights. <laughs> <laughs> He says, not going to hide it. I'm very intrigued by the Porsche 997.5 turbos. He's only driven a 997.14S owned by his father, and he loves it, but he's afraid the turbo might be much harsher ride quality on longer distances. Mm. Sorry, 997.1 or 2 turbos. I don't think the turbo is a problem with suddenly getting harsher. No, I think of that for the GT cars, like the GT3. You start to be worried about like a really rough ride. I think if you went into a turbo, you wouldn't find the ride is the issue. I just don't know that you need to go as far as a turbo. I agree. And anyway, as you know, right. it all ended with the GTS flavor or the 4S flavor of the 911 actually being everything a turbo is without the turbo, but then they put turbo engines on everything, and now the Taycan is a turbo, which mm. it is an electric car. And it's an electric car. It has nothing to do with turbos. So it means nothing anymore. We're all very confused, yes. His budget is sixty-five dollars to $70,000 maximum. I love your idea. I'm going to support any Cabriolet 911 that you would like to buy for that kind of money. Mm. I support. I will wave the flag. I'll be over here in this corner. <laughs> Anybody that le- wants to join me. Yes to the convertible or Targa version mm-hmm. of any of those cars for that money. I think you get a, a 4S convertible with a PDK and you're a happy man. You don't, even, you don't need the turbo. A 4S or a GTS convertible, done. For sure. Yeah. The point two is we'll have the turbo even though they're not called a turbo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I've established this. When I first read your email, Vanny, I thought, oh, a 2020 Audi RS3. They're five-cylinder, 2.5 lit. Oh, you want a convertible. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Moving on. I thought about another Porsche for you, and that is a 981 Boxster GTS. Found Thank you, you for going there. <laughs> I found you actually a 2016 Boxster Spider with 7,000 miles for $89,900. I mean, mm. if we're going to spend money, let's spend money, right? Was that is with PDK too? I'm not sure. I just looked at the, the ad that that's, went by. And that's I the right that's car, though. Because I actually think, uh, Vanny, I, I'm right with Paul on this on Porsches. So we're probably going to uh, divide ourselves in a minute and go other places. I, at least I hope so. But I actually think if you're curious about the 911, you've driven the 911, you're curious about a 911 convertible, but you absolutely want a convertible, you owe it to yourself and your wife or whoever you're taking on these great drives. You said mm-hmm. we. Mm-hmm. You have to drive a Boxster. Indeed. Because I think shopping a Boxster for a fun car is going to win over a 911 for just the cruising with the top down. I think it's going to win. I think it wins. 981 Boxster GTS. They're sixty-five to $70,000. Mm-hmm. Dunsky. Yep. That, get that with the PDK, yeah. which is, look, as much as I want you to get a manual, you want an automatic. You cannot say anything but great things about a PDK because they are great. Once you get out of a manual transmission, that's pretty much the next one you want. For sure, for sure. I toyed with the idea of a Jaguar F-Type convertible and the Mercedes AMG GT convertibles. I like them. I like those cars, as you know. Mm-hmm. They, they're just not enough until I found your car. Vinny. Oh, wow. Good. Okay. I recommend the Porsches, the Boxster GTS especially. None of us are surprised. 
But this car is not. It is Japanese. Mm. I went back in time. I found your car. It is a 1997 Acura NSX with an automatic Targa roof. Nobody wanted the autos, but you do, Mm -hmm. which means they're available. They're less money. They're special. They're unique. They're fun. And if you drive it like a GT car and not the track car Mm -hmm. mindset, it's perfect. With the auto in that mindset, it's perfect. Here's It's perfect. Here's the only thing I don't like about working with you as often as I do, Paul, is because every <laughs> now and then we land the exact same place. We read You're email. kidding me. My, I, I list a couple others. You're kidding My me. My wild card that I actually think is the answer is a first-gen Acura NSX. I didn't find a specific one, but I just said it's not a convertible, but it's got a great target top. I agree with you. The automatic is the unloved version, which means yes. there's options. And the way he wants to drive it, the automatic will be absolutely fine. It's that perfect. will run forever. Yes. I think it will feel more special than anything else on this list. I also had an Aston Martin Vantage V8, which All good. would be good. Yeah, yeah. The reliability would be a little questionable. I also thought the fact that Mercedes SLs are down here, down here with a hard top convertible, sure. also very nice. Good. None of those are as interesting as a first-gen Acura NSX with the target top taken off. <laughs> Just go enjoy that car. The, the best thing about it, when we first drove uh, two versions, go watch our old uh, YouTube video on that. We drove a yellow one and a, and a red one. It was a 95 and a 96. There was a change to go to six speeds mm-hmm. at 96. So the one you found is, a, is the later model, which is great. I love yeah, it. Yeah. They were both great. So go watch that piece. But one of the interesting things that the one of the owners said to us is he said, I love having a car that is exotic and I can use like a Honda Accord. Yes. And that's that's exactly what your life experience will be with this thing. Go buy an automatic NSX and have a good life. Absolutely. I, I love that we both landed there. That's I hysterical. I can't believe that. I did find you one in Anaheim, California. Manny. Wow. I love it. It's silver. It's got 63,000 miles. So it's practically new. Mm-hmm. Great condition. And they want $60,000. Actually, $59,99. That six-cylinder... And right behind done. your head yeah. has a fantastic. You were worried about four cylinders being boring and having a boring noise. I'll go with you on that. That six cylinder has a very unique, fantastic scream right bef- behind your ear when you get into it. But then you can turn around and drive it slowly, and you don't even hear it. Yes, you it's can. Putter. Awesome. Again, bring that GT car mindset, not the hardcore track monster. You know, tr- that's not what we're doing. The only downside, the it's only reason perfect. I bet you he hasn't ever thought of it is it's not a convertible, but it has a full Targa. You'll feel like you're You'll, in a convertible. It'll be great. <sighs> we're done. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. You can start with the new Ceramic Wash and Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, the foaming sprayer, the cannon, or whatever Paul has come up with now. We take Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and now it has ceramic protection too. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products individually or use them as your new wash routine. They're 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products from Griot's are made in the USA. And don't forget to use the new code EDRIVER when you're ordering from griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. There are many great audience questions. Uh, Some of them are kind of lengthy, and I had to kind of like read them for a bit and think for a minute, which I liked. I liked some of the longer questions. One quick reminder, please don't send actual car debates 
to the social media channels when we ask for questions. Those still need to come to the email. That is everydaydrivertv at gmail or go to the website, go to the contact button. They all go to the same place. This is where we like to see the car debates. It helps us sort them. Also, if you have random things to share with us, we'll take those too. When we ask (laughs) for these questions, we love the fact that you guys are all over the map on them. There's really very fun stuff. Do you see Kirk Carson's question? Let's start with the track daily I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Mazda 3 Turbo. Ooh. Volkswagen GTI, Hyundai Veloster N. He's Ooh. a few months away, and these are the ones he's actually debating. Track Daily Crush. Okay. You're tracking the Veloster N. Of course. I'm going to daily the brand new Mazda 3 Turbo and crush the GTI. Fully agreed. Yeah. Completely agreed. Done. Done. Rich Verdi is asking on Facebook, what is our biggest automotive pet peeve? I've got one. I have one that is industry-related. Catch. That is everybody still... Redefining the future of transportation. <laughs> no, you're building cars to sell them because you're not a charity organization. You're building cars to sell. Mm-hmm. The end. <laughs> We're still talking about the. I really appreciate all that you that have sent information on battery stuff, mm-hmm. quick charging. Keep it coming. I love learning about it. I'm glad the industry is pushing on it. I'm glad that technology is moving forward. Sure. I'm sure, glad sure. that there are a lot of wicked smart people that are working on this issue Mm, mm. and will create in the future all of these things to solve the problems that are with electric cars, the the charging infrastructure mainly, but just the fact that we want cool electric cars. I understand that and I appreciate it, but it's still so far out there and every new car company is (laughs) reimagining. We're redefining because no, 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 no. Nobody else has tried that. We're the ones to do the redefine. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're not. And everybody that's all about the autonomy and the people mover, your your solution is still a box. Canoe, I'm looking at you. <laughs> it's still a box. I'm sorry. It's a stylish, nice glass box. It looks very architectural with all the glazing and all the cool. It's a box. That moves people. I cannot be compelled as an enthusiast driver by the box. When somebody, Give me something different. When somebody actually invents the first working Star Trek-style transporter, they have revolutionized transportation. Yes. Prior to that, you were getting into some very nice box, and you're moving from one place to another. <laughs> so my pet peeve, Rich, to define it more clearly, is all these companies that have gobs of money being poured into them that are redefining. Just hold off. You don't need to tease the daylights up. Just hold off until you have something ready to go. Because when you have something ready to go and everybody does not, then you can redefine it. Don't tease me. Don't endlessly tell me what's coming. And, oh, we're investigating this partnership. We're already IPOing. And we're going to partner with them. And we're going to do this. And don't tell me what you're going to do. Do Mm, it. Interesting. Then come back and show us enthusiasts and everybody else what you've done. I have a broad pet peeve because I think we're all guilty. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I have to admit it, it grates on me. Okay. And that is, look, all of us listening, the common thread of all of us listening is we like cars. Yeah. Okay. Cars so are awesome. you're, you're going to stand at a cars and coffee or at the next car related movie or while listening to the podcast, you're going to stand next to somebody that knows either more or less than you do. And their car is either faster or slower than yours. Okay. These are realities. All right. They may have something that you think is ugly, but you know what? They love it. The problem that I have, in automotive culture right now is the general one-upsmanship. 
And that can be, well, you know, I, I got that car with 500 horsepower, but I wasn't enough, so I got 650 supercharged before I even drove it. It can be that. But yeah. the one that I see more yeah. commonly is, the, it, and it's that thing I've talked about before, I think we keep people out of this interest and this hobby and this enthusiasm we have for cars by making them not feel welcome because we know so much. Mm. We all know too much, you, don't you, we? You say, you say a horsepower number and you're five horsepower off and the person next to you goes, that's, that's actually wrong. It's, it's, it's not red. Why do you not know that it's, that it's five more than that? It's like, yeah. Yeah. are we feeling five horsepower? <laughs> I got close. Okay, there's a lot of stats going on. I mean, and you and I are guilty of this because you and I have so many stats flying through our head. You know what? We we're human. We get stuff wrong. Absolutely. Yes. But but honestly, I'm guilty of this. I don't want to stand at a cars and coffee and have the person in front of me say something wrong and I am, I am I just I am compelled. I want to correct. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. said the wrong thing. I so want to correct and I stop myself. Especially in front of my son. I stop myself from just putting my foot in the middle of it and being like, "Actually, you know, the thing here is, right. I just we need to stop the one-upsmanship. You like cars, I like cars. Let's bond there, yeah. because if we all don't know the right engine code, I'll tell you. There's times I'm in a conversation with people, sometimes fans of the show, and they'll rattle off an engine code, and I, I know they saw me go gla- glassy-eyed. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. And now I look like the idiot. <laughs> right. And I'll be honest, there's plenty of things in my life I can't keep track of, and I'm an idiot. Engine codes are one of those <laughs> things for me. I'm like, that's an engine. I've carved out that section of my brain to that, not dedicate itself to engine codes. Just, they just yeah. don't absorb. I'll yeah. admit it. So that one-upsmanship of knowledge that we do, where it's like, I can correct you. Must we? Is this helping us right. like cars more? I, that's, that's my thought. That's fantastic. I actually saw a great tweet recently by Chris Harris. Okay. And I'm paraphrasing, but it was something about, I am so tired of all the supercars, the modern exotics, and the people who review them. Interesting. Let's go build a caterham together. And oh, I okay. I yeah, yeah, yeah. couldn't get the idea if he's building one himself or if he's just wrenching on one or what. Sure, but sure. I thought, yeah, where's just the fun of driving? Mm-hmm. Low power, high power. Who cares? We all like cars. That's My car's cool. faster than yours. Okay, great. And go off into hyperspace by yourself. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's how cars are sold now. Absolutely. And that's the future Absolutely. of electric cars. And that's what we judge. My car's better. It has the more number mm-hmm. in any category. It's more. The stat no. is more. It's not. This is not a problem unique to cars. It's just I feel it a lot because of cars for sure. Ben Cohen asked an interesting question. He says, uh, I didn't know this was an issue. He said, you're having issues finding stuff on our YouTube channels. You're asking for better ways to browse. You keep finding things you had no idea we reviewed. And you don't obviously pull up YouTube and just go to the search bar and go, I know what I need to search for. You, you want to just browse and find stuff. You're asking for new ways to find undiscovered things we may have done. The best answer I've got here on either channel is look it up via playlists. Go to our YouTube channel and go to the playlists because we have things sorted by type like sedans or pickups or whatever. We have things sorted by TV episodes on the main channel or major road trips that we did, generational comparisons. You may find undiscovered stuff that way because now you're not searching for a specific car, but you're searching for ways we've already grouped them. Hopefully that helps you. I'll be honest. I have no idea how YouTube recommends or doesn't recommend anything. Honestly, Mm -hmm. we've never been on the right side of that equation, and I – I feel like I could give you examples, but I feel like the YouTube old guard, like us, we're the old guard. The folks long before 2015, yeah, yeah, don't seem to get served up as much as the folks that have come since. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was a surge after YouTube did their original content 
push in 2012. So the 2012-2013, they kind of figured out that wasn't working for them. So then starting 2014-2015, they kind of rethought what they were doing. And a lot of that stuff has exploded at a level that you and I have never seen. And some of the other old guard haven't seen it either, which, okay, that's just life. We're lots of other places than YouTube. But I want you to find all our stuff. I do. So thank you for looking. And I would say try playlists. Thomas Hall is asking about the news. At this point, still a rumor, uh, from what I understand, Apple going to a subscription service for podcast. How is that going to affect our podcast? Thomas, we are first on Anchor FM. That is a subsidiary of Spotify. So first of all, Spotify is really our our platform that is then syndicated out to all the other podcast platforms, wherever you're listening to this, whether it be Google Play or Apple Podcasts or Podbean or wherever that is. We appreciate you listening. Spotify Mm -hmm. is first and foremost our platform. I wonder if they kind of figure out to do it in two ways, essentially like Spotify is doing. There's the Mm -hmm. paid and the unpaid. So you will hear ads. I don't know. It it kind of remains to be seen. Again, whatever's in the future, we will you know, continue to approach and deal with that. But they're wanting a piece of what Spotify is doing. Spotify is kind of known as the podcast place building up. And it's kind of encroaching on the thing that Apple invented, essentially. I'll be very curious to see what happens in the world of podcasts. I mean, I'm sure uh, there'll be a, a hundred changes between now and when we stop actually talking and doing this podcast anymore. We're just going to navigate them. It's important to us that you guys can get this podcast for free. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we are also at the mercy of what platforms do. So we'll just see what the future holds. Sure, for sure. Did you see uh, Parker Singleton's question? It's lengthy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. First off, Parker, the end of your long paragraph asks, do we consider what you've done tuning out of class? And the short answer is a big yes. Here's what's happened. You bought a 2007 Mustang GT manual for $5,000. You have $15,000 into it. It now has 550 horsepower at the wheels from a big supercharger that you put in and a built motor and uh, can be turned down to 400 or so for autocross or turned up to 900 for drag racing, depending upon what you're doing that day. We're talking everything was done. Suspension, again, built motor, supercharger. You've done almost all the work yourself. The only exception. Yeah, for sure, for sure. The only exception is you needed help with building the motor, so that was actually $2,800 in labor costs. The rest of the labor is all you. You're at a place now where you've spent somewhere around $23,000. And so the question slash challenge to us is, could I have gotten something better for under twenty three grand? Now, Parker, here's the interesting thing about this. I get the sense this is your first car, and you've built it out yourself. Mm-hmm. There's two ways to look at this. Define what's better. Could you have gotten something better for $23,000? You couldn't have gotten something more versatile and powerful right. because you right. built this to be what you wanted. True. The key thing here is while you tuned wickedly out of class, I mean, you spent almost four times as much as what you bought the car for on the car. That would be pretty clear definition of tuning out of class. But the key thing here is you have life experience and learning and customization you put into this car to make it specifically yours, Mm -hmm. which is different, I feel like, than the person that buys a GTI and goes, how can I make this more like a Golf R? Buy a Golf R. (laughs) You know, that's the answer. I bought a WRX. I'm hoping I can get it up to STI levels of power. You know what the Subaru does? They sell an STI. (laughs) 
That's what they do. You're not wrong. Okay. I, 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 I bought an FRS, and I'm hoping I can get it up to Cayman levels of power. And after you spend all that kind of money, get it up to Cayman levels of tuning. And you know what? You could have, you could have bought a Cayman. True. All right. This is the problem that I have is when you buy a lesser car and you're targeting a higher car that is actually sold. In your case, you've made your specific Frankenstein monster. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could have bought anything else for twenty three grand that would have done all the things you've done with this Mustang, including the learning experience. However, I think you could have bought a more sorted car with fewer questions for the same kind of money. For, for low 20s, you could go buy a Porsche Cayman. I'm not saying that's the answer, but let's just compare the two. Mm-hmm. An 07 sure. Mustang GT with a bunch of parts in it or an 07 Cayman for 23 grand. Yeah. yeah. You could do both of those. Very different driving experiences. But I think at the time of your life you were in, I think this was clearly the right answer because the other thing I get the sense of from this is you didn't have 23 grand. You initially had initially. five. Right. And then you had another four. For the motor. And then you had a couple grand for the brakes. You didn't have 23 grand. So that also changes the equation as well. So again, I'm defining kind of more minutia. I'm defining what tuning out of class is. You've done it, but I don't think you've done it in the egregious way that it bothers us. I would love to have a conversation with you when you want to sell that car and get something else. Send us your budget. Let's get you a car. I love it. Well done. Dartman44, jumping over to Instagram, says, It seems like outward visibility in each successive generation of new cars keeps getting worse. Will cars ever return to lower belt lines and larger greenhouses or have safety requirements and styling preferences? Will that make it a thing of the past? Styling preference is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And designers are always focusing on trends, of course, and what people are buying and what people like and honestly what looks good to their eye. One of the first cars that changed the equation was the Chrysler 300C when it was introduced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nobody had seen st- such dramatic proportion change for a tall body side and narrow windows, window openings. DLOs is what they're called. Daylight openings. Yeah, yeah. That really changed things. I believe that particular car in what, 05, I believe it was, changed everybody's mm-hmm. op- entire opinion about what it should look like. The same era as the when the, Camaro, the Camaro came out, very similarly, yeah. Indeed. Early 2000s. Before that, you look at 90s cars. I'll give you an example, and that is the Acura Legend Coupe from 1991. Okay. They're almost equal, proportionally door height to window glass. Yeah, a lot of the Hondas and Acuras are that way of that era. Weird. Really thin A pillars and B pillars, really thin. Yeah, look at the Honda Civic from that era. Mm. Huge amount of glass. You're right. It's you like can see their two, feet. It's like two-thirds glass. On the, uh, Honda C RX was like all glass with yeah. like a little stubby nose. Yeah. It's simply a matter of over time what looks better and what's what car companies are able to build. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it has to do with styling and that looks better. To be honest, that proportion difference looks better to my eye, certainly. Mm. Lower glass. A really tall DLO is now for land cruisers and four-wheel drives and big off-roaders and you already have a tall vehicle and you mm-hmm. want more glass on there. The new uh, Range Rover Defender 110 is a great example. Still a lot of glass ratio yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah. But it seems like that proportion is defined for off-roads and vans and CUVs. Even SUVs have a, a pretty dramatic proportion change. Mm-hmm. But that is what's differentiating car styling and it moves into the future as well as we Honestly, depend on more and more autonomous driving as that changes. Glass will continue to go away. Why do you need to see out? We got you. <laughs> It'll just be monitors inside. <laughs> I'm mostly You're kidding, way in the future, but yeah, way just, out yeah. there. But again, it 
you have to think about that Acura uh, from 91. It didn't have airbags in the A-pillars. Yeah, all of that Very changed. Thin. Yeah, 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 yeah. It has to, had to do with car construction. Think about how big the noses are on cars now, and, and that's only been in the last four or five years because of the pedestrian crash ratings, and yes. all the cars got these big boxy cube noses now because you got to have yeah. space between the hood and the top of the engine block in case you hit a pedestrian. Here's an idea. Stay out of the street. But uh, It's a crazy yeah. idea. It's a crazy idea, yeah. No, I, I definitely hear you. Things didn't used to be that way. Bumper heights changed. Big time. All that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. so as safety regulations have increased and the proliferation of tech and the weight of wiring looms that go in cars because there's a whole bunch of more stuff that goes in. Yeah, on you're right. You're right. A pillars and B pillars have gotten thicker and people want to sit up higher mm. and crash restrictions, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. All that has changed the proportions over time to be where we're at. So to answer your question, no, I don't see us going back to that, you know, the Acura Vigor days of huge, <laughs> tall glass and yeah, you know, yeah, very yeah. thin pillars. Imagine, you know, the 60s Jaguars. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Nothing at the A pillars. That Jaguar E-type coupe yeah. was nearly nothing. That was yeah. just where the panels met. Yeah, you don't want to roll That's over it. just because we had to support a roof, but there's no yeah. support in the car with this roof. And now they've all got rollover setups. Yeah, for sure. It, it's all about, you know, the, that future styling and that continually looks good to my eye. So I see that proliferating even though visibility is still very important, for sure. <laughs> I need to see how. What we're going to be in is going to be in pods with that electrochromic glass like we had in the, in the, totally. <laughs> in in the, the Venza. Toyota Venza. Yes. It's just going to be that. So it's just going to be a white, semi-opaque thing all the time, and then you can turn on awesome. and be like, oh, I can see down the block. There's a variation on Track Daily Crusher I haven't seen before that I actually liked. came off of Twitter. It was match car to track. Did you see this on Twitter? I did. I'm still not finished deciding. The three tracks are Spa... Circuit of the Americas, Coda in Austin, and Streets of Willow. Do you have something for this? The cars are the first gen in SX, a Boxster Spider, and the C6 Z06 with the big 7 liter. Okay, okay. Now, here's the difficulty of this. We've driven Spa. We've driven Streets of Willow. I have not driven Circuit of the Americas, except for in a game. I've yeah. driven it in a simulator, yeah, exactly. but I've never driven it for real. So it's hard for me to really say, well, this is, the, this is for that track. Right. I think the hard one to place here is actually the C6Z06. Okay. I think it goes on Circuit of the Americas because it's American muscle, and that that track has some major places where you can really put power down big time, and that big 7-liter would be very, very fun. There's also some tight stuff on Circuit of the Americas, though. But I think coming up the, the, the big hill at the end of the front straight, I mean, yeah. you need power for that. There's, the, there's a back straight that's really long at Circuit of the Americas. True. So that big 7-liter would be fun there. But we've seen Corvettes do very well at Spa. Yes. We've seen yes. Corvettes on track days and other races do very well at Spa because Spa rewards speed as well. But I still think the answer here is Z06 on Circuit of the Americas, Boxster on Spa, because it would be glorious on Spa. It We've would. driven Cayman and Boxsters on there, and it's yeah, great. It's great. And that puts the first gen on the uh, first gen NSX on the streets of Willow, which is, uh, by the way, a tiny track in comparison to the other two. Tight, but it's very tight. So you need something that has really good rotation. Power is not the key thing anymore on that track. I mean, the Boxster could work there. The Boxster would be great there, yeah. but I think I think the the Boxster belongs at Spa. The C6 at Circuit of Americas, and that puts the first gen NSX at Streets of Willow. So uh, yeah, we'll go there. I like that. I'm going to back that up one last time okay. with the Corvette on uh, Coda because of brakes, because the braking is so crucial at Coda. Yeah. It's almost more important to have 
really great brakes. There's some monster braking zones at that track. Cook yeah. your brakes. It just seems like almost every race of every any kind, people just cook their brakes on that track. Alpha Dragon seventy seven asks a question, and I have I have my initial reaction, and then I'll have my unpacked reaction because it's me. Have we ever considered back to Southern California? Moving back to Southern California? <laughs> nope. 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 Now, now I say that. Look, I actually love Southern California. I loved living there. I like L.A. I like north of L.A. a lot when it gets a little bit less peopled. But sure. California is awesome. And you've made the joke forever, Paul, that the thing about California is you pay the sunshine tax. You have usable weather all year long, and you end up paying for it. I, I have always wanted to live in the mountains. I grew up in Texas. I've always wanted to live in the mountains, and now I do. I still feel like that. I still want to live in the mountains. I, I will be honest. The car guy in me, the, the mountain biker in me, I know you can get fat tire bikes, but just follow me. I much prefer spring, summer, and fall to full winter here in Park City, which is crazy because Park City is a major ski town, and I do like to ski. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I prefer the other three seasons more. I will admit it. Sure, sure. So I'm a little bummed for the, I don't know, three, maybe four months of the year we lose our good driving roads and our best mountain biking places. That bums me out. But I live in the mountains. I live in a ski resort town, and I still kind of can't believe that I get to do that. And... We travel for the show. Mm-hmm. So the things, and this is this is where I'm cheating. This is where I'm fully cheating, Alpha Dragon, because we travel for the show. So I get to go to California and enjoy the things I like about California right. and not live in California and live in the mountains, <laughs> right. which I feel like, how did I get the, honestly feel like, how did I get this blessed? And thank you guys for being with us. I do really like Southern California. Every time I'm there, I'm like, it's awesome here. It is good. But I, I love where I live. I agree. I, I love the seasons as well. And I grew up in the mountains in Colorado. So it's back to the mountains for me as well. Ronald Harrison is asking on Twitter, when it comes to car commercials, are there any tropes that you love and others you wish would just go away? For example, the car driving on a dry lake bed making a rooster tail. That's happened a couple times. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think the one that I wish would come back is real cars. There's, mm. uh, I read about this a few years ago. There was a rig designed, yeah. Yeah. I forget the name of it, but there was a rig Specifically designed to for CG artists to put their car over the top of it. And the rig was adjustable. The track, the the wheelbase length, and it was driven by some person in the middle of the thing. And then once you have the CG over the top of it, it doesn't matter. You can put any wheels on this thing, mm-hmm. and therefore they can simulate that car. It doesn't even have to exist. They don't even have to have it's it It's called the Blackbird. Blackbird, thank you. And every everything... The wheelbase and width is all completely changeable, so they can set it to what the specs will be of the new Corvette, not have the new Corvette. It's a black box with dots on it. They can put the body of the new Corvette on that later. And then change it and put the body of the new Chevy SUV of that. Yes, they can. I understand the benefits that provides. From a production standpoint, absolutely, yes. Lighting and CG has gotten so good. There's many car commercials where you think it is and maybe parts of it are intertwined. And yeah. is that CG yeah. or is that real? Mm-hmm. You can usually tell from the camera moves. That's usually the dead giveaway. Yeah. Because CG, you can make a camera move in places you could never get a, another camera to yeah, do that. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That's the dead giveaway. But I wish real filmmaking with real cars mm-hmm. would come back. And especially when they come around a corner and break to a stop and the the car submarines, it just dips, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. right on its yeah, brakes, yeah. on its tippy toes. Mm-hmm. And CG artists still don't understand the dynamics of a car and what happens when they do it. They just think it dips and, it, and then you stop and it... It, it never has the You don't see that kinetic right energy. shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That you do in a real car. I, I would prefer the real cars to come back. 
and filmmakers get creative with cameras again in this day and age of almost disposable camera gear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's get creative with that again. You We've may- been through the CG phase. Yeah. Come on, especially electric cars. Don't show me the new electric whatever doing it. I respect the heck out of it, especially, I'll give you an example, the new Hummer, the okay. GM Hummer. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Much of that was CG. Yeah. I know the people yeah, yeah. that did it, as yeah. a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, fair point, yeah. They're awesome at what they do. They're paid to do that. Yeah. Let's see the real thing. Let's drive articulate. the real thing. Somewhere. Yeah, I see that. That's good. That's good. Along those lines, I'm going to jump to, to film from there. I know it sounds weird, but follow me for a second. If you haven't seen, all of you listening, if you've never seen Lawrence of Arabia and you like film at all, go see Lawrence of Arabia. If you can see it on 70 millimeter in a theater, take the time. Now, this is a movie from the 1960s. It has 1960s pacing. <laughs> which means the amount of plot that goes on they would put into about an 80-minute movie now. Michael and Bay wasn't doing his thing yet? No, he wasn't. Uh-huh. And he still did three-hour movies, but they're just not as good. Anyway, uh-huh. the point is, this is ne- like nearly a four-hour movie. It is long, and it has a long, leisurely 60s pace. But what's interesting is, I want to compare and contrast Lawrence of Arabia with Lord of the Rings. Okay. Another set of movies I really like. Both of them have epic, thousands-of-people-involved battle scenes. Oh, yeah, In Lord yeah, of the yeah. Rings... There's about four people in that scene that are real. In Lawrence oh, of Arabia, you've told me that, and it's just somebody was standing there, hiked out with a 70 millimeter camera, which, by the way, in the 60s was huge. Actually, arranged all those people, all those camels, all those guns, all those extras. Actually, had them run at each other and do a fight scene. There's some gravitas to that that you're talking about in car commercials. Yeah. This is my connection, where you actually realize somebody actually captured the actual thing doing that. That is super cool. And that's the thing that I'm always jaw-dropped about when I watch Lawrence of Arabia. I'm just like, they were there. They did that. You've made me think of two other movies, Mm -hmm. The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise Mm -hmm. and Braveheart. Okay. Weren't those two movies also mostly actually people? I think they were mostly people. What's actually funny about uh, Braveheart, if you want to just have a fun little activity, I actually really like that film. But what's hysterical is there's a few scenes where the battle has gone on for a long time. And lots of people are now dead on the field. <laughs> and you have your major actors that the camera is paying attention to are in the foreground. And the, and the, the poor extras in the background are clearly exhausted. <laughs> because they're, they're only the two – because you can pick them out now. There's only like two or three clusters of people still fighting. And the fighting looks like tired children. <laughs> They're like barely swinging things at each other, so it's just movement in the background of the frame, and I need a nap. It's just, it's the funniest will this thing. It's the funniest thing. You could totally hear the director going, All right, back to one. All right, background, action. Okay, main actors, action. And the people back are like, I need to be done. It's very funny. Kill Those me are already. real people for sure. Keep writing to us. Really, really appreciate all the questions and comments that keep pouring in. We do read them all. And hopefully we can get to your car debate as well. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.